Amen. Ephesians 5, you'll turn there tonight. Chrissy, we have any more spots in the nursery available this weekend? We do. We still have a couple slots left if you'd like to help us out in the Easter musical drama nursery. Vital role, really, seriously. We need your help. Just a couple more. See Chrissy or sign up in the foyer. That'd be fantastic. A few plots left at the Garden of Eden as well. So if you want to sign up for that in the back or see Dennis about that, there's a few plots left and know that you will thoroughly enjoy it. Ephesians 5. Let me read verses 1 and 2 together. Therefore, okay, therefore, which goes back to verse 25, which is the word therefore, right? Which goes back to, you can't see it in the original, but it goes back to verse 17, who has it, and also we back in verse 8 that has it, and chapter 4 and verse 1 that has it, and back into chapter, I could keep going. You know why? Because this is an argument. Paul's got an argument going about the first three chapters of living out all the spiritual heavenly blessings you have in Christ Jesus. This is your position, we would say. Now, let your practice match it. All right? And one of the major words that he's used in this epistle um, is the word walk. He starts doing that in chapter 4 and verse 1, where he says, walk in a manner worthy, he says in 4.17, no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. And then he comes to our passage in verse 2, be, therefore, be imitators of God as a beloved children and walk. See, there is again. 5 8, walk as children of light. 15, he says, look carefully how you walk because here's what Christianity does. Ready? It's horizontal, vertical and horizontal. It changes your walk. Your destiny, yes. Where you're going to spend eternity, yes. But Easter happens not wave over there only, it happens right here in your life every day. And it manifests itself in the way that you walk. He wants you to know that. We're going to touch on that a little bit more in a minute. So therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Notice in your Bible the framework, if you can circle it. It always helps me to understand how everything gets connected so I can make the right applications. You know, the right interpretation delivers the right applications. If you don't have the interpretation right, you may get the wrong applications. So it's, it's well worth your time learn how the things in the Bible connect and how it works and what the message is so that you can get the right applications. If you look down in chapter 8, chapter 5, excuse me, verse 8, he says, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children. Now, as children, that little phrase is repeated. See in verse 1, as beloved children, as children of light. So what he's going to tell you, if you circle those and draw a line and connect them, See, it's a little framework. He's going to say, hey, this is what children of God, in this case, children of love on one hand and children of light on the other hand. See, that's who we are. So we have two identity markers framing out this text to say, hey, when Easter, can I say it that way, is really in your life, you become a new person, a child of light and a child of love. And there's a certain way that you live. And between those two markers, He's going to explain in detail what it would look like if you're living out your identity as part of God's family. If he's your father and you're his child, right, then you're going to live differently. And it's spelled out for us, and we're going to tackle a little bit of it tonight. Walk walk in love, verse 2. 
As Christ loved us, see, here's the Easter part. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's substitution that Chris talked about. And it was a loving substitution. It wasn't forced. It wasn't manipulated. It wasn't coerced. He wasn't pushed into it, cornered into it. He did it voluntarily. He gave himself up for us. Jesus was not killed in the truest sense, although the Jews are responsible for that, and the Romans, I should say, even more so. But he wasn't killed in the truest sense, where he, Jesus, in the truest sense, was not a victim. Okay, he gave himself. He said that. In John 10, remember he says, no one takes my life from me, but I give it up willingly, he said. That's important. What kind of offering and sacrifice was it? Well, it's a fragrant one, offering to God. And those are Old Testament Levitical sacrificial temple terms. A sacrifice to God, all right? So, Let me show you some things tonight from the text about how you can live out Easter every day. We're talking about Jesus' death, his sacrifice for us, and what it meant for us to solve our sin problem. But let's flesh it out and how it plays out in our lives every day. I put on this principle first on the screen. Believing is becoming. Now I'm going to get a little technical with you, but stay with me. There are only four times in the book of Ephesians that this verb to be is used. All right? And they are all in this main section that we're dealing with tonight. Let me show them to you. And the word is be in the English, but it really is a word that better could be translated become or becoming. It, it is a verb that indicates there's some sort of ongoing process, that it's got a starting place, but it's, it's a trajectory, I like to say. It's, you're moving somewhere. It's a I would say it's a development. You're, you are this, but you're not all that you should be yet. So you're, you're getting more of it, better of it. It's more controlling, marking you. Let me show you what I mean. The first one is found, the verse right before our section, 432. It's the very first word in the text. Circle it. Be kind. See it? In your mind, think this. Become kind. Let me real quickly, please follow me. This is a text that begins in verse 25, which is illustrations given about 422 through 24. In the Bible, there is kind of a formula about how to change. In 422 through 24, here's what he says the three parts of change are, if you can break them down. He says, first part is negative, put off, and it means to take off clothes and take them and put them off somewhere. So it would be like you got something dirty, and you can't wear it anymore, and so you're going to take it off, put it in the laundry. That's what he says. There are things in your life when you become a Christian that when Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for you, you can't do those things anymore, okay? So that we call them in the put-off category. We used to wear these garments. I used to maybe wear the, guardian, the, the garment of immorality or the garment of foul language or the garment of materialism or the garment of hatred or bitterness. Those used to be things I wear. But when I came to know Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection invaded my life, I took them off. So he says, here's what you do. Keep taking them off. Keep putting those things off. Then he brackets it with verse 24, flips it over, he says, on the same side of the coin, you put on. See, you don't just get, you, by the way, you don't change, and, by, and it's not Christian just to get rid of bad things. Did you know what? Anybody can stop taking drugs. Anybody can stop smoking cigarettes. 
Do you know there's a statistical survey that was done of women who were pregnant, and the day they found out they were pregnant, even though they've been chain smokers for years, did you know the day that they get that they're pregnant, they find that out, they quit smoking like that. And they don't smoke not one cigarette for all the time they're pregnant. But you know that the statistic says, and the day they have the baby and it's delivered, that they are smoking immediately. What does that mean? That means you can quit smoking if you want to. It doesn't take God living in you to quit smoking. You can stop drinking. You can stop. But the difference is, here's the difference. You can put off things, but you can't put them on in such a way that God would have you do it in his way for his glory. There's a big difference because it never comes from the inside. Here's what Jesus says real change is. I put off things and I put on things. And he lists them in this text. He's going to show you how that works. But he says in between in verse 23, here's the bridge between change. It's the renewing of your mind. See, every day I immerse myself in Scripture. We don't tell you from the pulpit, hey, read your Bible all the time. It's because what good Christians do. That's not the point. It is true, but it's not the point. The point is, I get the fuel that fires the passion I have for God's glory every day. I learn more about what he's like so I can be more conformed to the image of his son. And it fuels my understanding of what it means to live like him. Every day he teaches me, oh, you know what, Lance, you should put that off. Oh yeah, you know what, Lance? And in, pla- in its place, you put this on. And every day I understand the Bible a bit better. I know what that means. And I keep doing it. And it helps me. To, that's what renewing your mind is in the scripture. With that in mind, here's the framework. Ready? 425 says, therefore, here's what it would look like if you do that. If change is happening in your life, and if you know Jesus, by the way, 420 and 21, if you have so learned him, If he really has taught you and you're his disciple, those are the words, this is what you'll do. Here's an example. Ready? 425. Having put away falsehood. See? Take off the bad. He says what? Verse 25. Let each one of you speak the truth. So I put off lying and I put on truth. Verse 26. I put off sinful anger and I put on sinless anger. Verse 28. I put off stealing and I put on working and for the Christian so that I can give. It's a new motivation. Verse 29, I put off corrupt speech, which is rotten. That's what the word means. In its place, I put in grace-filled, edifying speech. Verse 30, I don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Instead, I let him take over. And therefore, I put off all this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, there's our word again, be put away. I put away all the hatred, the bitterness, the grudges I've held for years. I don't talk to you anymore. I'm upset. I put all that off. Ready? And here's what I become. Verse 32. I become kind. Where? Horizontally. See it? Easter is proven this way. Vertically, Jesus died and was again. You know how I know it? Because it changes this. I'm not a person who's becoming more bitter, more angry, more hated, more unforgiving. No, 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 no. I don't harbor those things. Here's what he says. Instead, I'm kind. I believe the best in people. Not naively, but because I choose to. Kind one to another, he says. Listen to this. Tender-hearted. I'm easily broken to that. I'm easily Swayed and sympathetic to people. I'm, I'm compassionate. I want to love people. I want to, I'm quick to forgive them, he says. 
forgiving one another. See, the forgiving, the participle explains the tenderheartedness. Well, I have a tender heart when I'm so quick to forgive, but if I got to hold out and I got to make you earn it and you're going to live a little bit into my thumb, see, if that's, see I, I'm not tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, watch. Be- why? Because Easter has taken place. As God in Christ, what? Forgave you. Here's the key, isn't it? Let me just say it frank to you. It is a shame that some of God's people think they can hold on to bitterness and grudges and hatred, thinking that someone has done something to them that would even be close to what you have done to Jesus. You know what the problem is? We seldom look in the mirror. We are so quick to condemn and judge and hate other people when we can't even imagine the infinite chasm that was spanned by the love of Calvary for your sin and mine. And if you would look in the mirror a little bit more, it would be much easier to go like this than it would be like this. And here's what, Calvary, here's what Easter says. It changes you. Yeah, you and God, for sure. You and others, just as sure, he says. So one of the things you're becoming is a different person in how you respond to people, even when you are persecuted or mistreated. Why? Because that is all that Easter is about. Jesus isn't on the cross because he's having a picnic. He's on the cross because people hated his guts and put him up there and wanted him dead. And that's the test of our Christianity. Are we kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving, not to those who love us, but those who hate us? Then he said, watch. Now, you see the building argument? What's the next word, 5-1? Oh, therefore. You can't understand the two verses tonight. You can't get the message of Easter if you're not building on the person you're becoming. What else are you becoming? Look at verse 1. Here's what it says. Therefore, become. Circle it again. See the second little B? Become imitators of God. You, you might say, Pastor Walker, how in the world can I become a person that is so tenderhearted, so kind, so compassionate, so quick to forgive and love people? Where does all that come from? It comes from imitating God. It comes from being like him. The word imitate in the New Testament was you put a, this over a top and it was a template and you took your writing utensil and you traced over it. That's how you learned letters. When you learned how to write, someone would write the alphabet and you would put over it and you would trace it. So you would learn and you would learn by tracing exactly over the original. An imitation is something that's been placed on the top of something else so that you can know what the exact original was like. So your life, and you know what we should be coming? We're becoming like the original. Every day I get up and read the Bible, I said, here's the original, it's Jesus. And now I put my life on it and I go, oh my. (laughs) They're not the same. I I put my life on top and it's over here and it's way out. There's edges everywhere. And you know what I do? I, I take the Bible and I trace it a little bit more and I want to cut off that piece and I put off that. Oh, I need that put on. And I put on a little bit more. You know why? Because I want him. I, he's the original. And I want to be like him. And God says this every day. Is that is my inspiration and my motivation. He says Easter is all about that. I don't look at the cross and say, thank you, God, only. You know what I say? I look at the cross and say, God, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. So if you want Calvary in your life, here's what he says. Prepare to take up your cross and be like that in your life. Becoming. The next one is verse 7. 
Note this in your, if you're writing down notes. The first two words, to become, genomai, to become, they are positives. Become forgiving and kind. Be this, all these great things. Now become an imitator. I'm going to come back to it. Just hold on. An imitator of God. But the next two, watch this, just like the pattern, the next two becomes are negative. What you should not become. Because what's equally true in the Christian life that we become holy, not only holy by addition, holiness by addition, but holiness by subtraction. So here's what we got to do. In your Christian life, you put off and you put on. You have to have both. If you're going to change, you have to have both if you're going to be like Jesus. So watch the next two, verse 7. He says, therefore, see it again? We're in the third therefore. Therefore, do not become what? Do not become sharers. Partakers with them, with people what? People who are filthy, with foolish talking and crude joking. People who aren't thankful. People who are sexually immoral, covetous, idolaters. You know why? They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They deceive you with empty words. Verse 8, they still live in darkness. Those kind of people, here's what it says. Do not become like that. Do not become like that. Here's a principle I've got together, and I want to challenge you as a Christian and I want to challenge you as a parent. Do you know what our world needs most? And I'm going to say it at the same time. You know what your kids need most? They need to see someone who is like the original. They need to see Jesus. Do you know what our culture needs? They don't need ex- intellectual explanations of what the Bible stands for. I'm convinced that people know exactly what it means to be holy and pure sexually. I don't think there's anyone who really doesn't understand hardly at all what the Bible teaches, if they're familiar with the Bible, about what is right and what is wrong sexually. People want to pervert it, twist it, change it. But the reality is, but you know what they're really looking for? Not for you and I only to explain the truth. Oh, cool, that's crucial. But you know what they want to say? I was listening to someone give an argument when they were asked if homosexuality was wrong. And so they went around all the things, and they, were, they said some good things about and why the Bible says this and this and this. But I said, you know what would have made the argument for me? If they would have said this at the end of what the Bible says and what God says, and yes, people who are homosexual, it is a sin. It is the way it is. You're not born that way. It is a choice. And if you live in that sin, like any other sin, not just that sin, you will die and go to hell. Those are hard words to say. But you know how you can say them? Here's what I would have added. I would have said this. And let me tell you, I think it's wrong. I think God calls it abomination. And I think it will be part of what condemns you. But here's what I say. And God loves you still. And what I won't let you do is make a dissection between sin is wrong and I love you. Now the world says, if you say this is wrong, you couldn't possibly love me. You're intolerant. But God says, no, I tell you that you're wrong because I do love you. Right? And what needs to be added to that is, let me tell you how I tell you, and I know God's love is true. Let me tell you about my three friends who are homosexual that I love and I spend time with and I'm giving the gospel to. But you know what I hear? I don't hear anybody saying that. Because it's one thing, isn't it? It's one thing to say, I love people who are sinners. But if I was a lost person, you know what I'd ask the speaker? Tell me someone who's homosexual that you love. Give me their names and if you spend time with them. Because I want to know if you're just talking or you're walking. No one does that. and Maybe I'm hoping they don't. But here's the truth. You know what it says? 
be imitators of God, become that, listen, as beloved children and walk in love. Not just talk it, walk it. Why? Because this is the positive. And the thing is, yeah, we don't become partners with them. So here's what I don't become. I don't become all the things the world does and how they live and the immorality. And I don't become those things. Right? Last one, verse 17. Therefore, do not become foolish. Don't be deceived. Don't become, and I hate to say it, the, the Greek word for foolish is moron. Don't become spiritually like a moron, a person who just doesn't understand anything. He says, but understand what the will of God is. And the will of God is, is that you wouldn't be filled with alcohol, but you'd be filled with the Spirit, that he would so control your life that here's what you're not like. You are not becoming fleshly, you are becoming Spirit-filled. And he takes the time to walk you through what that looks like. But here's the point I'm making in this little principle. Believing means you're becoming something. Easter means, yes, I have Freedom from the penalty of sin someday. But right now, I also have freedom from the power of sin. I'm becoming something. You know what that something is? Like God. I'm becoming like God in Jesus Christ, if Easter really is working in me. I said I'd come back to this. Imitate. Someone who has a Bible, and it doesn't matter what version, first look up the, these are six times, and I want to end with this tonight. What does it look like when I'm truly imitating Jesus? These are the only six times in the New Testament where the Greek word for imitate is used. Now, why did I bring these up tonight and why am I making you do this? Here's why. Because without exception, all six of these verses, remember that word I told you, become, is in every one of these passages. When it, every time the Bible talks about imitating, it talks about it in this framework. It is what I am developing into be, the becoming. This is what I'm becoming. So listen, there's a trajectory. Easter says this. Yes, it is about my salvation. But listen, put it in your mind tonight. Salvation, Easter is about my salvation, but it's also about my imitation. Because they go together. Jesus has done something in me and now he's done something and is doing something through me. And let me tell you this, it's both. It's not either or, it's not one or the other, it's both and. Salvation demands imitation. That's what the Bible's saying because all of these are imperatives. He didn't say, hey, it would be nice if you imitated God. 5.1 says, therefore, imperative. You become this. It's an order. It really is a command. So 1 Corinthians 4.16, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Ephesians 5.1, which we're not going to do because we have that already. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, Hebrews 6.12. You have to stand right where you are and just read the verse real loud. Turn with them if you would, everybody. 1 Corinthians 4.16, who's going to do that one for me first? Elaine, thank you. Stand really loud like you're cheering at a game. Go ahead. Say it again. I urge you then be imitators of me. Okay, therefore, I urge you to be imitators of me, Paul says. Okay, with that one, someone read 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, because it adds a small phrase that is incredibly helpful. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, someone stand up real quick. Don't waste time. Be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Okay, what did he add on to the second one? The first one said... 
You imitate me. What did the, what did the second one say? Yeah, okay. Here's what, watch. You ready for this principle? The world needs to see Jesus. And you know how they do it? By seeing the human pattern of it. They need to see the divine pattern of God, Jesus. But you know how God has made it to be so? Because they see in the human pattern. So here's what Paul can say. You be like Jesus. And you know how you can do it? Watch me. You know what, parents? Listen. Do you know how important your life is? You are the number one Jesus in their life. Do you know that? You are the number one Jesus. You want me to, I'll do it a third time. You are the number one Jesus in their life. That's who you are. Yes, I am mom or I am dad, but I am Jesus to them. That's where they should see what Christ is like in your response, in your words, your attitudes, your affections, your priorities, what matters, how you spend your money, what matters most to you on your knees. Do they see you? Do your friends see you? Do they see Jesus? Right? So Paul says you need to see Jesus, the divine pattern. And the way he set it up is we need Jesus. Now watch, in the 1 Corinthians 4 text, it says this. That's why I've sent Timothy to you. You know why? Because he's going to show you my ways in Christ. Here's what discipleship is. You know what discipleship is? It's Paul following Jesus and the cruciform way of his living out of the cross. And he taught Timothy, hey, here's how we follow Jesus. Here's the pattern of what it means to crucify yourself, the deadness of all that, being alive in him, all that it means. And here's what, how you live it out every day. Timothy, I've taught you all this. Now listen, I want you to go to this church in Corinth and I want you to teach them because Corinth as a city is killing them. They're not like Jesus in his cruciform ways. They are so much like everybody else in Corinth. But I want you to go show them. You know what your children need? You know what people in our church need? Men and women who say, I'm following Jesus, and so watch me. Watch me do it. Not because I'm arrogant and proud and think all that of myself, because I'm living that kind of life. And I want you to see it in me. That's what discipleship. We want more and more people at FBC to become more and more like Jesus, he says. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, it goes even further. Someone else. You became, see, you're developed. You became this. It's an ongoing process. And it says you became what? You followed the Lord and you followed, Sandy? Us. They didn't follow the Lord without seeing it in Paul and his associates. Listen, don't think, I'm not demeaning the word of God. You can read the Bible and find out what Jesus is like, but you know what in almost every one of these texts is? I need to see it in someone who's like me who's not perfect. Jesus is the perfect example, and I need, coupled with that, an imperfect example. I need to see someone who yet is not sinless, and makes, but they're following the pattern. I want to know what following the pattern of Jesus looks like. I need that. I need to see that individually couples need to be mentored by other couples who know what it's like to have a cruciform marriage where Jesus is the center of it. They need that. See, he, Thessalonians became followers. Yeah, not only because Paul told them about Jesus, because they saw it in the apostles. 1 Thessalonians 
Go ahead, young man. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea, as in Christ Jesus, where you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Super. Watch the progression. Ready? Follow me as I follow Christ. That's one person who's become like Jesus. That's just one. In 1 Thessalonians 1, it says, follow me and because you followed us, plural pronoun. So it's not just one person finding another person and following because they're like Jesus. Now here's a bunch of people following a few people who are like Jesus, Paul and his associates. Jack read this. Here's some people, a group of people, following a whole other group of people. This is a whole church. It says, you became imitators of the churches of Judea. In other words, there were whole churches and what the church was doing, not just what, what Tom's doing and Armando's doing or pastor's doing. No, there was a church filled with people who were following the cruciform ways of Jesus as a church and what they did and how they worked and how they lived together and how they respond. And they said, like, your church follows our church. This is what the Bible wants. This is what God is after. This is the discipleship at the greatest levels. And this is what we should be becoming because Easter has taken place. Lastly, Hebrews 6.12. Someone? James, go ahead real loud. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Good! You do not, here's what you don't become. See the word become? You don't become sluggish. Same word used in Hebrews 5.11. It means lazy. Don't take this wrong. If you don't have someone in your life that you're being discipled by and they're showing you how to live the ways of Jesus out in everyday, ordinary situations, you know what the, the easy possibility is? You get lazy. Because you don't have anyone to bounce it off. No one's keeping you accountable. No one's talking to you. No one's encouraging you. No one's praying for you. And you can begin to think this becoming like Jesus is so hard. If you knew what my marriage was like, you know how hard my boss is. If you know how difficult it is to get through these physical, and I have all these bills, and I don't know how I'm going to, and you could mount, and there's no one else in your life pouring into you and telling you, here's how Jesus would do that. Here's how he'd respond. And this is the way he would love. And he would let his rights go. And Jesus would show them how, if you've got no one going on, you know what's going to happen? You, you tend to slack off. You get a little lazy, sluggish, a little apathetic. And sometimes that can lead up to building to the point where you don't have interest anymore. And you fall away a little bit and you stop coming to church to some of the services. That's why we need each other. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have discipleship groups that we're starting for men and women of smaller groups, three or four people. You know why? We desperately need Someone to show us how to follow the pattern. We do. And let me tell you, because that's what Easter is. Yes, vertically, it is all of those things. It is salvation. But folks, it is also imitation. And we need to take, because when we put those two, listen, when we put the vertical and the horizontal together, and you've got a salvation that is like no other, and you have a people who have so been changed and transformed by it, and people look at their lives and say, this is him and this is them. And look, it is very much the same. The power is incredible, I believe, is what made the early church great. And we need to get the second half to match the first. Individually, families, and a church, this is what we need to become. 
Let Easter be that this year for you. Say, I'm going to get in a small group. I'm not in one right now, but I need to. And I'm going to ask pastors, hey, is there any discipleship groups? Because you know what I need? You know what my wife needs? You know what my husband, you know what my kids need? This. And right now, we don't have that. We need to add the imitation part with the salvation part so that we can have Easter be all it should be in our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us to become who we already are. We are, the framework says, we are the children. Children of love, children of light. And because we're your children, we need to imitate you, which means we need to become like you because you're our Father. And the way that we do that is becoming more like your Son. I believe, Lord, that's my motto, I must glorify, I must glorify God when I most exemplify Jesus. I pray that that would be true corporately for us, that as a church we might say we most glorify God when we most exemplify Jesus. May that be true of us individually, may it be true of us as families, may it be true of us as a church, and then as we put the vertical and horizontal of the Easter story together, I believe we will have impact in this community and people from the nations will want what we have because not only do they hear it from us, but they see it through us. May that be the reality that your spirit performs through us. We pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.